We've got hockey. I don't think we have a lot of hockey. But we got hockey. Tonight, Toronto Maple Leafs, Edmonton Oilers. And just one other game, I believe, uh, St. Louis and Pittsburgh, 7.30 Eastern. But in a normal world, which we are anything but, once again, this would have been teed up. Matthews versus McDavid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as we speak, we believe Connor McDavid heading somewhere secluded, go through his five days. And maybe, just maybe, he's thinking to himself, I don't know, JB, good timing? (laughs) Take a break from all of this? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm torn on how how much they would be worn down, the Oilers would be, by the narrative around that hockey team right now, which is not particularly uplifting. But I'm glad to get the the, the Oilers in town and see the Maple Leafs play a hockey game. But, boy, supposed to be Matthews McDavid. It's supposed to be Hyman returns in front of the Toronto fans to his hometown. And now we get, like, "Eh, it's a hockey game. It's the Leafs and the Oilers. It's kind of kind of a thing. No McDavid, no uh, t- uh, Tyson Berry, no Derek no Tyson Ryan. Berry. What are they going to do with his tribute video, Kipper? Well, before you get to that video, you know it would have been nice to have a, a Zach Hyman. Yes. Normal welcome, like. Okay, so tonight, how do you think uh, the reception will be from the maintenance staff when it comes to Zach Hyman? <laughs> you, you know, you when they gets, show the... You, you think he gets mo- uh, uh, taps of the mops? <laughs> he gets, yeah, yeah, mock taps or mop, mop taps. Mop you know, taps? When, they, when they show the, uh, the video, the tribute video of him turning over pucks as F1 on the forecheck over and over, <laughs> there's going to be not a dry eye amongst the staff, I tell you. All right. Um, also back, uh, Sammy. Sammy McKee. Sammy! <laughs> hey, boys. Fresh yeah, I- off the IR. Now, uh, JB, what, what did Sammy miss in a couple of days due to our, our salary cap? Any implications? <laughs> yeah, according, yeah, like when someone gets suspended, it turns out Sammy missed $732 being gone I, for a week and I, a half. I guess the difference between Connor and I is that uh, I can still do my job from protocol. Uh, Connor can't. So um, I'm still in the protocol, boys. I'm secluded to my room. But, yeah, I'm happy to be back on today. And uh, I love that joke. I don't know if you guys would hear me chuckling, but the mops joke got me pretty good there. They are still showing, <laughs> they are still showing the, the – the video on, on the screen tonight. They are, yeah. Because I guess they'll probably have some family and friends there. I'm sure Hyman Toronto yeah. boy would figure out a way to sneak a few guys in and have his family there. And then, you know, they'll probably do put it on TV as well. So they'll they'll uh, they'll have the tribute video. I mean, I had the Raptors game on last night, and the, the game odds are acting like there's still a full building. So why wouldn't the Leafs do the same? Okay, before we get to Connor McDavid and, and what that is going to look like, or maybe I should Bad. say, how ugly will, will it look like for the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, let's throw to a, a clip from Zach Hyman uh, and talk about his return uh, against his former team in front of no fans. Yeah, no, I think uh, uh, it'll be different for sure. Um, 
haven't thought I mean I've thought about it but haven't like thought about it too much in the sense that I don't know what it's gonna feel like until you're you're out there playing because it'll be my first time playing against those guys but imagine it'll just be uh, another game it'll be a little different without without the fans there so it'll kind of feel like a, a scrimmage out there with those guys um, but we're used to playing without fans unfortunately we did it uh, a bunch last year and uh, uh, like I said I think it would have been uh, a lot more meaningful if we had a, a full building worth of fans, but it'll still be um, something that I'll remember playing against those guys. Boys, those first couple of weeks, Zach Hyman was shot out of a cannon, and I, I mm-hmm. he was on for sure at one time a 50 and then a 40-goal pace, but like a lot of them, it's, it's slowed down. Yeah. Well, I mean, McDavid and Drysaddle themselves, Kipper. McDavid's got 13 points in his last 12, and uh, Drysaddle's 12 points in his last 12. So, you know, when those two slow down, everyone's secondary scraps tend to to dry up a little bit too. Um, you know, Hyman now has gone. I think it's 10 games, nine games, maybe without a goal. So, yeah, definitely things have dried up as the top guys have slowed down. His his last goal was December 1st against Pittsburgh when he had two. So, And he's got three points since December 1st. So he's slowed down as well. So there you go. And it, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, well, everybody gets excited, right? You, you see him. He's playing with McDavid early. The, the goals are coming. The points are coming. You're like, okay, if, uh, if McDavid ends up with 170 points, then it should be no problem for Zach Hyman to get like 90 or 100. It was some of the conversations out there were were like crazy, but he, he is a legit 20-goal scorer. He still should oh, yeah. find a way to get 20 goals on this team. Well, in theory, the the Oilers should have 50 games left, and he's already at 11. So, um, you know, he's he's on his way to getting the goals they thought he would get, and that's what you're paying for. Five and a half million is not, you know, what John Tavares signed with the Leafs for. You'll take 20 goals for five and a half million over and over and over. So, Hyman certainly uh, has been a pleasant, not a surprise, but he's been what ex- what was advertised for the Oilers so far. Coming up in a few minutes, we got Gord Stellick, co-host of Leaf Nation pre and post game, and we'll get into the uh, the details of of tonight's game and get a spin on uh, what he thinks is going on with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Louis DeBrusque, voice of uh, Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada, he's going to come along for the ride as well. And Mike McKenna might be a bit of a goalie theme here because Kostinen has certainly uh, drawn a lot of attention when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers the last little while. But before we get into all of that, Sammy, just, you know, from, from your super fan perspective, like no, no Connor McDavid tonight. I, are you okay with that? Will you still watch? Yeah. I mean, of course I'll still watch a, I am a, of course I'll still watch. I'm a complete degenerate Leaf fan that I watch every game, no matter what I watched all the games in 2014, 2015. So I'll watch, definitely watch tonight. But I have to say, watching that game on Saturday night against the, the Ottawa Senators, the last game they played, it's not enjoyable to watch it without the fans, right? Especially against the Ottawa Senators. I know the Oilers are a different test, but without McDavid, it's not exactly marquee. It's just, it's hard to get excited for these games with the no fans. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to make a comment on the, the politics behind it or whatever. It just sucks. And, you know, yeah. Matthews was talking about it. I, I think we have a Matthews clip we can play on it. But just I, I have a hard time getting fired up. And I never thought in a million years, even last year during the pandemic, I was like, I can deal with this. You know, it's great to have hockey back. 
But now having the taste and going back to it, it really does put a damper on it for me. Watching the Raptors last night, I could barely stay awake because of it. It's just, it really puts a damper on things. All right, let's uh, let's throw to the Matthews comment on uh, getting back on the road with fans. You know, it's too bad because it's, uh, you know, it's tough going from obviously what we did last year with uh, no fans and uh, going through that and then, um, you know, getting the fans back and just how, uh, how much of a difference it made and just how much fun it was to feel the energy and the excitement in, in the arena and uh, just the buzz of everybody. And uh, so I guess kind of just uh, taking one step forward, two steps back, it's, it's too bad, but uh, you know, like you said, we're going on the road here and um, you know, we travel pretty well. So hopefully maybe some of these away games feel like home games and we can kind of get that buzz back. You know, and, and, Go ahead, JB. I should say, like, you know, what we want from all these games is to learn something about the teams, right? You want to know, oh, who's better, the Oilers or the Leafs? That's what we're hoping to find out. But all of a sudden, it doesn't feel like the same NHL game. It doesn't. It feels different than a real game or than it would in playoffs, and I think that takes away from some of the fun. Not to mention the Oilers, boys. It's not just uh, McDavid. They're without Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Darren Ryan, Derek Ryan. That's their three, three centers. So they got yeah. no one up the middle. So going into tonight, it's like I don't know what we're really going to learn when these two teams well, when it's also weird. Yeah, I, I want to dive in deeper from what you just said, JB, because we just came off a 6 nothing shellacking of the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, There is a strong suggestion without McDavid that this could be as ugly for the opposition. And this has got nothing to do with the Toronto Maple Leafs because they've done everything that they're supposed to do. But these type of games aren't helping the Leafs get ready for the playoffs. They're throwaways, man. They're useless. They are nothing but guys looking to stat, uh, pad their stats, uh, get their cookies. And I, I, when we look at the Toronto Maple Leafs overall, their first 30-plus games, like how many can you really say – Oh, that that was a good building block uh, for the hockey club. I, I got to go back, Sammy and, and JB, to Carolina earlier in the year, where where it was clear, where Sheldon Keith said, "This is a this is a good game to see where we are exactly." Like eighty percent of these games now, I I don't see them helping the Leafs prepare to win four rounds in a Stanley Cup. No, I, I'm I'm really glad you said that, Kipper, because I feel the exact same way. These games feel so preseasony in the middle of a really, really important season for the Leafs, where they need to get these reps in games that feel like playoff games. Right? We all know what happens with them in the playoffs, and these games with no fans, it just feels like the glorified North Division again, doesn't it? When you're watching that game on Saturday night against the Senators, it's like, oh well, this is 2020 again. Watching yeah. the North Division, it just felt so pointless almost but, like what but the, why did the they even part. play this game <laughs> but the the good part i think guys is that they're 30 games into the season like the hope is that yeah maybe this is not the game that gets them ready for the playoffs but that there is months of hockey and road games and a playoff or sorry a seeding race within that atlantic division and there should they should get these reps and but the point you guys are making is that right now it makes these ones feel less important that it's not those games, right? It's not. And, you know, they've had they've had some good matchups. We've seen Colorado, but that was that 8-3 shellacking when Colorado had a minor league goalie in there who couldn't stop a beach ball. 
Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, oh, yeah. Minnesota was Jonas. actually a good game where they lost in the shootout, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah, Minnesota um, was a great test. But outside of that, like, wouldn't you wouldn't you be dying now for a Toronto Florida game? And I go well, back to last healthy. night, right? By the way, do you know when they play Florida first, Kipper? March yeah, 29th. March. <laughs> March. So last night, you know, Calgary's pretty good team. Got out of the gate pretty pretty well and, uh, you know, have a lot of people believing that uh, they can compete in the West. They go into Florida, and I found it so interesting to hear uh, Matthew Kachuk talk about the game against Florida. Uh, Sammy, do you have that clip? We do have that clip. Yeah, let's have a listen. They're one of the best teams in the league that we have played, yes, and um, we know we can play a lot better than we can tonight, and we think that there could be a different result. Um, there definitely would be a different result than, than giving up six and kind of getting crushed like we did. So, um, you know, I think that uh, was a little bit of a reality check that, that you know, that's a, that's a measuring stick type of game, and obviously we didn't uh, measure up very well today, but uh, I think there's no greater challenge for us than to play the defending champs uh, for two years in a row. Um, next game, it's going to be, uh, you know, there's, there's no excuse not to get up for that one, so we got to be ready. Just be nice to see a few measuring sticks. It's not Ottawa, and I don't, I'm not sure it'll be Edmonton tonight. No, that's true. And, and, yeah, seeing that for Calgary was good. I thought Calgary actually brought it for you know out of the gates, and Florida managed to hold strong. So, yeah, it would be nice to get a sense I, where the Leafs stack up against them. I think they got a couple coming up here, though, fellas. They got Colorado on, on the road on Saturday night. They got okay. Vegas next week. They got St. Louis in St. Lou next week. Those are a couple pretty solid teams. I mean, they're playing Arizona, which is the opposite. Arizona can still score. But I, I do think that they have a couple games coming up here that are not necessarily the true ones against the ones in your division like Florida. And it is ridiculous. They're not playing until the end of March. I don't know how the hell that happens with a division rival. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they do have a couple coming up on this trip. So it'll be good to see that. All right. Let's bring in our first guest, uh electricity Gord Stellick. Now, Gord, the hottest story out there right now is this Dave Tippett and Koskinen, Koskinen, who threw who under the bus. And now today, Dave Tippett talking about, you know, it's been taken out of context. And, you know, when I tell people, Gord, that when I drive with you on the highway and you drive <laughs> like an old lady or an old man, nobody can take that out of context. Nobody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how does how, how does how does Tippy think that uh, this is out of context? Yeah, I don't get it. You know, I I don't I don't mind. You know, goaltenders get handled with kid gloves quite often. Like every year, there's the annual Miko Koskinen roast in Edmonton. Okay, and it ain't funny if you're an Oilers fan. What well, I mean, they fired Peter Shirelli during a game when Koskinen sucked because they were pissed about the new contract he signed. Remember that. He didn't finish the game because he'd signed that new extension, whatever it may be. And, uh, yeah, this guy this guy was the first goaltender picked way back when by the Islanders in his draft. He was. And then didn't catch on, went back anyway, came back. But, yeah, yeah boy, you, you got to be careful when you backtrack. You got you to, you know, like Mike Ditka used to say, he goes, hey, man, uh, when you catch me in the right mood, I'll say anything. And I don't think there's any problem owning words. I think there's, I think there's too much singular blame on them. There's, there's like, where is the depth? Where is the supporting cast? I'm listening to you guys talking about it. And, you know, even, even the big two, I mean, they're leading the league in scoring. You really can't take issue with them, but you know, how come they're not able to kind of elevate? It's not even the score. It's how they've been playing 
the Edmonton Oilers late. But, hey, Carolina Hurricanes, great team. Start the season and go, oh, you know what? We'll just change our goaltenders up. We'll get two new ones, Freddie Anderson, Antti Ranta. No problem. Edmonton, they don't do anything. Minnesota last year, they go get Cam Talbot, the guy that t- took the Oilers in their last playoff drive. You know, I had a man, you, you, you got you to go out and do something on the goaltending front. You, you can't be stat. You couldn't have stand pat. And that's not, that's not me being a Monday morning quarterback about that. No, and so how did you feel about, the, about Tippett being so bold in his comments about Koskinen? You know, we hear in Toronto, you know, we're all tearing on Nick Ritchie and Sheldon Keefe goes out there and says, ah, well, actually, we think he's been pretty good trying to protect his guys. You know, do, can we learn something from Dave Tippett being so uh, upfront about his feelings on Koskinen? Uh, well, it's the kind of thing is Nick Ritchie, he's got other guys he can put in. Probably Dave Tippett went back to Ken Hall and go, I, I'm fed up with Koskinen. Who can we play next time? Koskinen. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, that's right. Is Mike Smith still hurt? Uh, yeah, he's always hurt. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know what you, – you might as well put Skinner in, and, you know, he hasn't really been a star, but you drafted him high. He's a guy that you're developing for the future. But, yeah, that, that's a funny one. And Kippy, you know, I mean, you're a player too, and Kippy would know what about it's um, – it, it's 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 a hard one, but for time for time you know, every now and then, um, probably the fans appreciate some honesty. Do the other guys in the dressing room do they appreciate the honesty or not, or are they ticked well, that he singled out the goaltender? The only thing is 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 it's almost as if you know Tippett throws it to Costin, and Costin has like got this hot potato, and he throws it to the lack of goals, right? So everybody's kind of covering their ass, and everybody's passing the buck and everybody's blaming everybody and a lot of finger pointing going on right now in this organization. That's not helping them. And uh, that's not going to lead you out of this. It's just going to pour gasoline on, on the fire. I, I would have eaten it. If I was costing it, I would have just eaten it and said, uh, I got to get better or, uh, you know, I'm trying my best, but I, I would have, I would have not thrown it out there. Uh, with the seven goals in six games. That is behind-the-scenes stuff for me. Okay, maybe you should have phoned Garrett Sparks and said, how did Mike Babcock take it when you kind of chirped up there? Um, um, that Babs, even even his usual demeanor post-game, like, you know, he was ticked what he heard. Remember that when Garrett Sparks, Justin, and Kipper had yep. some remarks after that? Yeah, just, just you know, it's, it's, it's like the last minute of the football game. Just take a knee. Take a knee and go back and uh, figure it out and try to win next time. Yeah, Koskinen could have been looking like Huel from Breaking Bad on his $4.5 million <laughs> just laying out and just lay there in silence. That would probably have been the best bet. Um, you know, I, I wrote something on the Oilers today uh, about their lack of production from the bottom half of their lineup. You know, how significantly can they change that with a move or two? Like, is it possible to improve your bottom six when none of the guys are scoring? Every year, Justin. Every year, you look at it and go, okay, they got McDavid. They got Dreisaitl. I'm not impressed. They added yeah. this guy. They added James Neal. He just got bought up by St. Louis. They, Lucic couldn't do it there, but he could do it in Calgary. Uh, Yamamoto Yamamoto's supposed to be the next guy. I don't know, it ain't happening. And, on, and, and Zach Hyman, you know, I'm not, he's even being, he's been hurt a bit of late, but he's also been ordinary like everyone else of late after a great start. I don't get it. Every, like, like, you look at Jordan Cairo exploding in St. Louis. You look at Bunting in Toronto. You look at, you know, you, you know like somebody, somebody new coming around that's part of the supporting cast. And every, I mean, I, I thought with their great start this year that maybe they weren't as great as the great start was, but okay, they'd finally developed a core around those guys. And I'm almost thinking they're, they, 
it's like five years ago. You are spinning your tires. You you have you have improved depth wise zero the way they're playing right now, and they got to do what Philadelphia and Vancouver did lately, what Toronto did early in the season. Like it's on them to get a grip, and hopefully, if you're an Zach, Oiler fan, be able to turn things around. Gord, that was that Zach Hyman was the guy to do that, to add the depth, take it to another uh, level here. By the way, I'm, I am at Scotiabank Arena, and I'm one of five guys that are test-driving the Zach Hyman tribute video, just so you know. So if you hear anything in the Ooh. background, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to critique it. Um, uh, well, he, one guy can't do it, though, Kipper. And you said early on, like, he was having fun being on the big line, and, you know, I'm, I'm, big, on, I'm big on Zach, and probably he'll be, a, you know, I, I, I think it was a great acquisition. It, they paid a little more than the going rate was for him other places. But, again, he can't, he, you know, it's, it's, it's like, where are the young guys? Again, where 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 are the young guys coming up in the lineup? So, you know, maybe they maybe they will turn around and Zach will get back, have a strong year playing on the wing with one of the two greats. But yeah, I I mean that that's too much. You know, you know. And then the other line is okay. You think about even I go back to uh, a level about coaching kids hockey when they're really young. And all of a sudden, when the playoffs start getting close, and other parents get ticked off because you short the bench gets shortened, so you play your top, you double shift your top centers, right? And then the other other lines just kind of roll, and it's just kind of understood. Well, in Edmonton, are the are the rest of the guys? They don't know their role because those guys play fifty out of sixty minutes or something. I, I don't like. I don't quite get it. I mean, it's not an excuse, but I don't get it. It's almost like you know those guys are out there and. We kind of just roll, and I don't know. It's weird. It's 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 uh, it's it's not just that they're losing. It's how they're playing. It's how there doesn't seem to be any spark. It's a lot of things. It's sad. So then, why does it always seem to fall so squarely on the coach? Like a lot of what we're talking about here is like they just don't seem to have the horses, right? Like I, I understand it seems to be a bigger deal to change the GM because you're cha- altering the philosophy of how your team is constructed, but like. What's Dave Tippett supposed to do? The the six guys that they have signed in their bottom six have combined for like 19 points right now that aren't named Zach Hyman or something. Meanwhile, the least bottom six is like 77 points with their free agent signing. So like it feels like it's on Ken Holland at that point. You know, CeCe and, and uh, Barry are making more than Brody and Hall, their signings. I just feel like so much is falling on Tippett when it doesn't feel like Tippett has the guys to work with. Justin, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has played for, I believe, eight coaches. Eight coaches in his uh, Edmonton days. That's like the old George Steinbrenner in his prime firing Yankee managers, right? Like, it's it's unbelievable. And I, you know, I everyone, how can you not love Kenny Holland? But, uh, you know, at the end of the Detroit, he got out one year... um, one year later, he would have a little bit more, little bit more bite from fans, and Steve Eisenman's been able to move in there and do the retool. And yeah, same in Edmonton. Uh, I love the guy, but I'm not impressed. Uh, but I, I, I'm not advocating making either change right now. I mean, like whoever, like those guys committed for eight years. Okay, Austin Matthews only committed for five in Toronto, right? Other guys have just committed for five, six, or seven. And they got both Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, who initially really didn't want to go to Edmonton, to buy into it and commit for eight years. Like, wow. And I know it's still got a, lot, a decent amount of runway there, but you're starting to run out of time. Like there's just a, it's just a lot of bad out there. Breaking Bad. I know is that Kippy? That's the movie, right? Or the TV show? I, I don't yeah, know. it is. It yeah. is. Um, uh, Duncan Keith to me was the most puzzling one, and I, I I still liked him okay for some minutes here, but to fully commit to that contract next year at five point five million and not have Chicago hold any of it, to me is yeah. 
that 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 one's the the most puzzling one here and you know th- those are conversations people had right away it's not it's not like people said okay he can't play anymore he's no good he won't provide any type of leadership i mean the guy's a, a stanley cup champion one of the best uh, modern day defensemen in uh you know in 20 30 years but everybody said are you sure about this one yeah, you know, hey, I'm going to throw one back at you, okay, because I heard you talking about, you guys talking about Ottawa. And here's one I'm curious about Saturday, because that was a terrible Ottawa team. They were very flat, and they got dumb penalties. And I'm wondering, okay, Kippy and Justin, the players' mindset, because they're talking about, you know, Koskinen kind of flailing back and speaking up after Tippett spoke up, and, you know, maybe it clears the air, maybe it just makes it worse. So, Zach Sanford on Saturday, like, you know, he's an American kid, he won a Stanley Cup with St. Louis. He signed a one-year contract. They promptly traded him to Ottawa. Did he watch on TV the Blues arriving in Minnesota and their beach stuff and just get really pissed and say, I'm in Ottawa, I hate it here, and he took those three dumb penalties? Did you know, like, I mean, that made no sense. That made, uh, anyway, just sort of like, because that, that really put that game off the rails from the word go. They were horrible. I think all three of them. Shorthanded goals, it's over. Yeah, and that's not the way he plays. That's not the way he plays either. So anyway, sorry, I just had to, I had to throw that one out there. I didn't know if you, because you mentioned about being puzzling Duncan Keith, and I just thought that on Saturday. I thought that was just kind of kind of weird. It's almost like he went out there with a negative agenda or something. And yeah, and, no. and through all of this, you know, selfishly speaking, I, I know the mentality of the player. Uh, he wants to come in and see, you know, three positives, four positives, all in the position that he's playing. These guys are getting amazing opportunities to step up. And Richie's back in today. Uh, Kasha's out. No, uh, nothing to do with COVID. But that's it's another opportunity for Richie. It's another opportunity to get in the good books with coaches. Uh, there's a lot of them throughout the league. Kippy, you would have died for this. Like in, in in all honesty, it's about not just players getting opportunities, whether they're the first line American Hockey League players or fourth line NHL players. They're getting serious ice time. They're getting serious ice time. And right now the Leafs don't have a horrible COVID situation, but all around the league, you're like, that's all you want is give me a chance. And so you're getting a chance to play and and now you're getting a chance to get minutes. So uh, I you had a good line, Kippy, a couple of weeks ago about just saying, you know, now that the Leafs turned it around, Nick Ritchie can just chill. They can just chill, chill. He's not on the top two lines. He probably won't be by the end of the year. Let's figure out something else where he's fitting in. And I give I give the guy credit about doing that, being a team guy. Again, it's always easier when you're winning rather than losing. But early on, everything everything was on him, and he just, whatever, wasn't able to do it. So he gets a chance tonight, like you say, maybe to, maybe to grow incrementally from within. Gord, we talk so much about these guys that are kind of in and out of the lineup because they're the guys who change on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, it feels like the only places you can make changes because your best guys are going to play a lot of minutes. So we don't end up talking about guys who just play steady and, and well. And I'm thinking here about Brody and Riley. Like, that pair for the Leafs has is is worth more mention than I think we give it. Again, because they're just so steady, you know, it, this might be the best season of Morgan Riley's career with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Don't you think those two guys have just been rocks for the Leafs? Yeah, you know, I, I think obviously when he got 20 goals, that's always a sexy stat that you, you, you look at. But mm-hmm. the, the two-way part, 100%. It really is. It really is. And Brody's been a nice free agent signing from from the word go after, you know, the history of Mike Commissarek and uh, who had injury woes. But by and large, Hal Gill, you know, guy, guys, I'm not throwing them under the bus, but just guys that didn't didn't come through in a, in a big, big way that were kind of heralded UFA signings like Brody was. And uh, that play... 
that led to that shorthanded goal. I mean, he, he basically, what an intelligent play in Ottawa, you know, just got caught. Marner did the little tug on the Ottawa player, and all of a sudden the Leafs got the first of two shorthanded goals and just changed the game around. And I, I'm really glad to see the, the, the old Morgan Riley back. And, you know, last year, you know, wasn't his... His best, he was taking a lot of maintenance days. You knew he wasn't 100%. He wasn't hurting the team. But you also look at, you know, expecting, man, this guy, like I I don't know if he can ever get up in the Norris Trophy uh, talk consideration, but I do consider him elite defenseman. I love that he's committed big time here, so you've got that out of the way down the road. But, yeah, that's uh, uh, that's a huge part of their success, not just Jack Campbell, uh, not just guys scoring at a great clip, but also a, a, a better all-round defense core and defensive play by the team. With the schedule uh, soon to hit the road for the Toronto Maple Leafs, we 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 got to assume that Kyle's under a little bit of pressure to get Mrazek in, uh, one way or another, just to prove that you spend a lot of money and it's it's got to be worth it <laughs> a little bit. But each day that goes by, man, you're you're wondering if that would have been money better spent, maybe on a on a blue line or a depth left winger. Well, and the other part, a couple of years ago, the problem with not having a, a solid backup behind Freddie Anderson was your MVP became not Austin Matthews, but Freddie. Because if he gets hurt, you know, there was just this this litany of nondescript, not good enough backups for a team that is, is thinking playoff success. And Kippy, they could be back there again. And, I, you know, I, Mrazek's had a propensity to get injured, and that's just a fact. That's not, that's not a bad rap. And, unfortunately, right off the bat, it happens here. So uh, I, I, I'm hoping Abe's able to get some, some games in, some evenness to his games. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, if it's Jack Campbell or Bust, and there's a few teams that really, if their number one guy goes down, they're, they're in a lot of trouble. But we see a lot of teams have padded it with a decent backup. And, yeah, that, that is worrisome. So, and, and it's all about, it's, it's like our budgets at home, and we tell our money well spent. Like, whatever you're spending, make sure you spend it well. And certainly Kyle Dubas now, especially with the flat cap that befell us because of COVID. Uh, and that's why, you know, the Nick Ritchie money looks a little little bit big right now, the Peter Morazic money. Um, hopefully, it, hopefully it plays out in a positive way. But uh, it's been disappointing so far, mostly because of the injury. You know, with injuries in general, I wonder, is there – any way to protect guys that are injury prone and Mrazic's maybe separate from that. Cause he's a goalie and all he can take care of himself and he gets in when he gets in. But like, you know, Andre cash is not going tonight, but like he's become such an integral part of this team. I shudder to think of this team being without a guy like that in playoffs. who's killing penalties. He's using them on the power play. He's in the top six. You know, is there a way, any way to protect guys who yeah. are injury prone other than just some load management? He, he came out of the, the workout room, like yeah, it's called uh, bubble wrap. <laughs> it, it keeps getting worse. This guy was eating lunch with a plastic fork and stabbed himself. You know, <laughs> just oh, worried yeah. about this guy. Well, we know a few guys, like a, a guy, the late Scott Garland played years ago. His nickname was Crystal, and that's kind of, you know, yeah. that. You know, chat, chatting with Wayne Gretzky, and I'm not name dropping, I mean on the radio about, and we eat. Talked about Alexander Ovechkin, and one reason he thinks Obi's going to break his record, he had. Let me get her Fred. He goes. He has the art of not getting getting hurt. You know, think about it. Like what? I don't know what the art is, but he's right. You know, statistically and factually, and Alexander Ovechkin, like he he goes out and hits. He's among the top guys throwing body checks and that. Whatever it is, the art of getting hurt, and it's not like the other guys get hurt on purpose, but it just 
it does, and we've all, we've seen it all in every sport, and the guys that career ends and had an okay career just got hurt all the time, you know. And uh, I don't know, I don't know, Kippy. What do you think of Justin's? Uh, I, I mean, load man. Well, it's almost the worst thing is when you play not to get hurt, you get hurt. I just I think when when you think about like the the transition to what now has been Brendan Shanahan and, and Kyle Dubas, it's been puck possession it's been make plays it's been this high octane it's never been built around being physical like ov at times i know he's curtailed it a lot you know in the, in the back half of his career but uh they don't get hurt because they're, they're not that physical guys they don't they don't run people they don't get themselves uh in, in scrums a lot they're not fighting they're they've got the puck which often Probably is the best, uh, you know, defense is having the puck. But the style of play has been conducive to the fact that they haven't really had long stretches. Now, what does that mean? We've seen Math uh, Marner in his career, I think, earlier have a shoulder issue. He had one this year. Uh, Matthews with his wrist. But outside of that, can you think of a stretch where these guys really have been hit hard the last three or four years? They were like the the, the best uh, or the least man games lost a, a couple of times are up there. So, you know, you're you're you're. I mean, you, you did have Matthews, Tavares, and Marner. Was it two years ago pre pre COVID? They each seemed to have a um, about a ten game spot where they got hurt. But you know, but but they all came back. They all came back. It wasn't like someone gone for sixty games and you know that that's all he or she wrote. So. Um, so they must be doing something right. They must be doing something right. But like to to uh, Justin's general question about all thirty two teams and about that the art of not getting getting hurt well, that yeah. Wayne that intangible Wayne Gretzky's referring to. Um, it, it, there's there's an element of a mystery in it, but it can it can uh, make and make or break your NHL career for sure. I do think there's an element that's tied to you know players who see the ice so well who don't get hurt you know like the the man games or sorry the iron men are guys like Keith Yandel and Phil Kessel and and the Sedins and guys who you know offensive guys but they certainly see the rink well uh, Ovechkin would be another guy who just see guys coming I think that's a big part of it Gary um, Unger well, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well Gord, is that well, a name about, a blast for the past yeah, the fact that, that Al McNeil wouldn't let him go on the ice and it broke his consecutive game record and the team was trying to push him on to, to keep it going. I'm saying, hey, what, what about Keith Yandel now about playing smart, got, that record's in sight, and as you find out, COVID protocol could hit anyone at any time. Like, I mean, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm knocking on wood for him, but holy mackerel. Like, just like, you know, Cogliano had that great record and got the two-game suspension. And, you know, you, you just, um, anyway, that's just so another you one you got to beat the final boss yeah, in the video game, Gord. He's, he's almost a Bowser here, <laughs> yeah. but it's going to get tough. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, it's, that, and it's an unknown. That's a weird right? the guy, the guy's, It is. Well, I, I know, but I'm just, it's, 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 it doesn't matter. It, it counts. Alarmer, same thing, right? Larmer, your your old teammate, he was yeah. uh, he was going through a stretch and he had a contract, contract dispute, so he missed games, and that that's all that's all he wrote, right? Yeah, yeah. But that that is, uh, you never want to make it abundantly clear once you're in that ballpark that it's all about you and this record, though. That's that's the bottom line. It, it's a nice record. It it speaks volumes if you people know you as a guy that played hard and didn't avoid the contact or go out of your way to protect it, but not the biggest uh, team feel for that 
that that record. Well, he's only. I, I thought Marlowe looked he's, bad when Marlowe here insisted on playing right instead of resting before the playoffs. Wasn't that yeah. a thing? Yeah. I, I but but also Yandel's ten games back now. That's all he is of Doug Jarvis because Kessel's third, Unger's fourth, and of course Kessel's active. But um, I got to think though when he when he uh, when he moved on to Philadelphia, there was an agreement there. Right, that as long as you weren't hurting the team, that it was understood that this record was special. Because actually, that was one of the things that turned Florida around the year before last. Was they were going to make a, a Yandel an example and sit him out early, and the players actually protested, and they kind of said, "Well, hey guys, you, you, you better you better do something on the ice, okay? We we cannot have, we cannot accept what we've had in other years." And in a weird way, and I'm not talking this year, I'm talking the previous year. It it ended up being a sort of a plus in the Panthers moving forward. I started this segment with a with a, a driving reference. I didn't even get a chuckle out of you, not even a giggle. Well, you did. What to talk about being like an old? What do you mean? You absolutely did. I don't. How much am I supposed to like? I can't go overboard. I can't do the fake can laughter like on those old sitcoms. So, I got a kick out. <laughs> we of need a laugh track. Are, so, are you yeah, saying that drive- you go the speed limit and you're not as slow as as I'm telling uh, you? You're 100. Guilty as charged. My wife, Lisa, and kids bust me all the time. And they even talk about they can hear my conversation slows down as I slow down. And I, t- I, think, I, told, I think I told you guys that years ago when you paid your own way, unlike what we do with our kids now, that all of a sudden I got a thing from the insurance company that, Gord, you, Gord, you got three tickets, which I thought were fine, that no points on any of them, but three in, a, in I don't know, say a one-year period. And here they were. Please write a check for another 220 bucks. Okay, and when you're 19 years old, whatever. That just is all. So I have not. I've not been. The guy got me an Avenue Road. You know that one outside Habergal. He got yes, me. Yes, always. Over. So I, I know. So I pleaded the tribunal, and the and the guy who was on the phone. Tribunal. I just said I just want it knocked down for no points. He goes, the guy wouldn't knock it down, and then he goes, oh my God, look at your record. He goes, I'll do better than that. So anyway, put me on a phone, and the justice of the peace. He he respected my being a law-abiding citizen, and I paid nothing. <laughs> and I got a clean-cut record, unlike maybe you guys do. I don't know. You're a menace uh, society in the roads. So do you I have think. those? Kipper uh, would be distracted. Kipper, Kipper drives like he's texting all the time, even though he's not. <laughs> yeah, good uh, good finish on that one, buddy. Hey, <laughs> you, you wear those sunglasses that the lens covers your ears, too? <laughs> Full wraparounds. Or, yeah, the wraparounds. You got those? You got those, Gord? Well, yeah. I, I first got to make sure I pull up my polyester pants to about my uh, breastplate, okay? And then I, and then I've got it. And I usually put my metal detector in the back, and I try to get back for when they open again. The early bird specials at four o'clock, Kippy. So you got me nailed. That's 100%. he is Gord Stellick. He is hockey's version of Betty White. Gord, you just keep getting better every year. I'm still sad we lost her, though. Oh man, I'm really I love and did you see, did you see when she roasted Will William Shatner that kind of about ten years ago that or fifteen that kind of brought her back? Oh my God, her her humor was so <laughs> so salty. It was so funny, so funny. Well, I want to just want to keep my consecutive week streak here on our Real Kipper and Born. Okay, I want to kind of get a Keith Yandel streak going. Well, we won't make it like week one when Kipper asked you to stay after the break and we kept you for fifty five minutes for a radio <laughs> segment. So we appreciate never your a time. problem. Well, sometimes a problem, but never a problem. Okay, boys. Love it. See ya. From Sue and Nivens to Gord Stellick. Thanks for doing this, Gord. Have fun tonight uh, co-hosting Leaf Nation. Will do. The Oilers and the Leafs on Sportsnet. The fan. All right. Uh, We'll take a break, Justin.
and we'll come back with Louis DeBrusque. We're we're going right back into the Edmonton Oilers here. We're gonna we're fixing them before this thing is this thing is over. All right. So plenty to come up. Still, Mike McKenna as well. You're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. We think it's hard for players to walk through the landmine of COVID from rink to rink, city to city. How about the broadcasters, JB? Louis DeBrusque challenges scheduling airports, hotels, elevators. Don't don't think he's on a private jet like the, the team charter. Just a guess. Louis DeBrusque. Hey, guys. How are you? We're well. How are you? What's on your mind? Well, uh... <laughs> what are you going to ask us, Louie? You got any questions? Well, you're right. You're right. Yes, you know what? Uh, everybody's navigating through the landscape right now of uh, Omicron and COVID. It's just rampant right now, and I don't think there's really any way to avoid it, to be honest with you, if you're going to be out and about at all. And that's just the world we live in right now. I guess the good news is that it's not hitting people as hard as the previous variants have, and you hope that it stays that way. You hope that it stays so that way and the vaccines do their job. Louie, my understanding is uh, it's it's Simmer again tonight, Craig Simpson and uh, Chris Cuthbert, and uh, yep. you're you're not calling the game, and and you couldn't be happier right now. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'll tell you what, Kipper. As you know, I've covered the Oilers for a long time, and I've covered them through some dark years, no question about that. I'd say my first seven, eight years were... You know, it seemed like every year they were turning over a head coach and trying to figure things out. And, you know what, listen, the last few years have been different. Um, the McDavid and Dreisaitl era with Darnell Nurse really coming on strong the last couple of years. There was a lot of promise coming into this year. And the way they started, I think everybody was looking at this team saying, okay, here's the step they need to take. Here's the strides they need to take to continue to progress and be that type of a team. And to say that they've hit the wall would be an understatement, but there's been a lot of things that have happened and transpired to for me, that have led to this slide here as of late. And, you know, I know goaltending is the big topic of discussion right now. I know Miko Koskinen came out and spoke his opinion of it. I have to agree with him. I can't disagree with the fact that he didn't get a lot of run support in the last six losses that he's had. But I also think there's been goals in almost every game that I look at and say that's a, that's a goal that probably shouldn't get by a goaltender. And I think that's where the negativity has trickled in, is the timing of goals against. No question there's a lot of things here, guys, that this Edmonton Oilers team has to figure out. They've been decimated in the back end. They've had 11 different defensemen play more than um, four games and 10 of them that have played more than seven games this season in their lineup. At one point in time, they had four defensemen that I think had a, a total of 57 NHL games played. They've been decimated by injuries like every other team, COVID like every other team. They're not trying to use that as an excuse, but there's no question that put them on their heels greatly for a period of time where they lost seven in a row. Then they came back and grinded out a couple tough wins, came off the break after Christmas, and are 500. You know, as far as they haven't won the games, they've got points in two. They're trying to grind out wins. It hasn't happened. And now they're decimated again by COVID with guys that are going to be able to line up tonight once again. So this is just the world that NHL teams have to navigate to try and be successful. But there's no question right now there's a list of things for Edmonton that I know that they're trying to work on. They're trying to grind through. And, Unfortunately for them, they're all hitting them at the same time right now. So, Louis, do you see the wall that they've hit as a Dave Tippett problem or a Ken Holland problem? I, and I don't, I don't mean that in terms of job security. No. Just, what do you think there? I don't. 
I don't because I look at their roster and they've never, they haven't been able to put their complete roster together up until a few games ago until Ryan Nugent Hopkins went out in the third period with an injury. Mike Smith didn't play the next game because he tweaked something again. I mean, they haven't been able to field their lineup all year long. And they've been continually having to tweak this, tweak that, put young guys into positions, elevate guys up to lineup. And I know people are going to say, well, hey, there's lots of teams that do that. Um, maybe Edmonton isn't as well equipped to do that right now in where they are in their stage as a team, but fully healthy and on the go. I like their chances guys. I do. And that's why I'm, I'm reserved a little bit and just totally crushing them right now because I I've covered every game up until this last week where I was dealing with COVID myself. And I'll tell you, but I, I watched every game very closely and they're trying, they're battling. I'm telling you, they're, they're in the mix and they're trying. I think that compete has to go up. Certainly. I think that you're starting to see it wear on them a little bit, especially the likes of McDavid, Dreisaitl, the top players. Yeah. You know, and, and they've been known to battle through all these things, but you can see it's trying, starting to get to them a little bit. Like they're just, they're just not getting any traction the way they want. And it's going to take some gritty team-like efforts just to get them back into the right, column the win column and then try and build from there there's still tons of season left here the start they have has given them a big buffer i think they've used that buffer up but now it's about going to work and trying to get back on the same page as a team and no to answer your question john i don't think it's a a dave tippett problem i think this is just a, a problem that teams deal with and they're trying to figure it out on the fly and but i do know also from being around this game for a long time that i see how these things can manifest and how they can take on a life of their own and for right now, I just think Edmonton's just trying to settle things down, get healthy, and start to put some wins together. Uh, Louis, who's that defenseman, uh, Samarukov, uh, that they had? Yeah. Up? What a terrible! I feel bad Louis, for him, Kipper. I Louis, really do. I, you know, as a broadcaster like, or or a player, I don't think I've ever seen, including in my career, a worst two minutes ever. Oh. I felt horrible yeah. for him. It it was like. Yeah. You, it was like you, you went next door and, and, and went to the men's league and said, hey, can, can somebody just sit in for a couple of shifts? I mean, it was just so bad. I felt so bad I, for him. He was so over his head. And, you know, it's – and I got to tell you, Kipper, when I look at the first goal against, which was a 2 on one essentially with Thomas and Tarasenko, there was four players, St. Louis Blues, four of their players were above the top of the circles, including Tory Krug, the defenseman that was pressuring Evan Bouchard. If he makes that pass to Leon Dreisel, it's a three-on-one down low. I'm, and I'm not trying to – I'm just painting the picture. Young defenseman, that puck gets picked off, and Kyrie makes a great play up the ice, but he challenged quickly. So what he did is he closed the distance on a three-on-one, probably not recognizing that it was a full-on three-on-one, and give Thomas and Tarasenko credit. They didn't care about defense. They were gone. They went behind him for a two-on-one on the other side with Bouchard. But what the point I'm trying to make is he gets burned. I don't completely blame him on that play. Okay, three-on-one, you're aggressive. He almost did break up that play. But then the next time down the ice, it's Kairou, and he just walks him. I mean, he just – and listen, that's a very skilled player. I mean, Jordan Kairou's having an amazing year. He's really flourished in St. Louis. He's got his opportunity. He's just playing extremely well. I mean – and he's a super talented player, as we all know. He just burned him, walked him, and then it was shutdown time. And you never like to see a player get shut down. I felt really bad for him too, Kipper. I got to admit, I was. I, I looked at that one, man. I feel bad for that kid because everybody knows what it's like. The nerves going into your first game, to have that happen, then not play another shift. And that was a decision that Jim Playfair and the coaching staff just decided. 
I just don't know if they wanted to crush his confidence anymore. This is a guy that really wasn't expected to see time this year. If they're fully healthy, he's been down in the American Hockey League. He's grooming. They want to give him that time. As you know, Ken Holland likes to do in the organization with Detroit that he was with for so many years. They want these guys to be overripe to put them in a place to succeed. They've had to force guys into the lineup, and that one just bit them. They grinded back in that game. It was a closer game than it looked. But, again, that's just some of the things that are happening right now. And I look, you know, at the goal against the Rangers the other night. You know, Tyson, not Tyson Berry, um, Duncan Keith steps down to go for a pinch. It goes off the skate of Warren Fogel. Next thing you know, it's a three-on-one the other way. And, you know, it's – it's in the back of the net. I mean, every single thing that can go wrong right now is going wrong, and we've seen this with teams before. The only way you can manifest and get out of this is just by coming together and play a really tight, hard game. And when you look at the depleted lineup they have again tonight with McDavid, Nugent Hopkins out of the lineup, Tyson Berry out of the lineup. Now you're going back to the well, putting a young defenseman in there, a younger defenseman in there. Derek Ryan, another centerman out of the lineup. It's That's three centermen that are out of the lineup. That depletes you. Well, when I say sentiment for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I know he's played wing, but when you have injuries to center, it's an easy transition for him to slip right back into the middle. They want to load up Drysdale McDavid. Nugent Hopkins is the guy that can pump on that second line as a centerman. It just really limits what you can do with the lineup. So for Dave Tippett tonight, he's mixing and matching, putting some line combinations together, and no different than you see an exhibition or a really injury-depleted team, this team needs to go out there and have a workmanlike effort and try and win a game. One nothing, two one against a very skilled team. It's going to be a monumental effort, but they have no choice. That's what they have to do. Yeah, and while they're in that state, like that's all they can control. So you control what you can control yeah. as a player. Same with Dave Tippett. The only person who kind of has more room to do more right now is Ken Holland. Do you think there's pressure yeah. on Holland right now to find something for this group? I do. I think there's always pressure when you're a general manager in a Canadian market. Are you kidding me? It's Right. You know, it's it's every single day, nonstop, all day long. If I bump into somebody in the grocery store, in the street, it doesn't matter. We're talking hockey whether you want to or not. It's just the nature of the beast. But I really think for Ken Holland, and we had him on after hours, and we talked a little bit about that with him. He just, you know, he needs to know what he has first. He has to put this, this thing together and has to kind of feel what he has. There's no question they need help. Um, I think they need a little bit more for me, if I'm looking at it, yeah, goaltending right now, Mike Smith's going back in tonight. Now, here's the thing. He's played four and a half games all year. Again, he's put Miko Koskinen in a position where he's had to be the starter. And I'm sorry, I don't think Miko Koskinen is a starter. So the question now is Mike Smith still a starter in the National Hockey League? And, you know, he's getting up there in age. Injuries are starting to creep into him. I love the guy. I think he's a battler. I think he keeps himself in incredible conditioning every single year. He's found the fountain of youth in that regard. Had an amazing year last year. When you look at the numbers that he put up and, you know, everybody's thinking, okay, if he can come in and play anywhere near that this year, they, that, that's all they need. They just need a goaltender that's going to give them a chance to win. That's going to give them solid goaltending because of the firepower they have when they're healthy, they can score goals. And they did outscore a lot of their issues early in the season. No question about it. They're trying to dial that in to be a more 200 foot team. Uh, their identity wants to be a tougher team to play against, a grindier team to play against. That's why they went out and got the likes of the players that they did. Warren Fogle, you know, Hyman, you know, coming in as a guy that just goes to work every day. Yes, a Poliarvi, the way he's come into the league, and it just hasn't come together throughout the course of this year. The question now is, does Mike Smith step in there, and how does he play? There's a big question mark there. So goaltending is number one. It, there's no question. It's number one on the list, and it might have to be addressed before this season's it's, done if Mike Smith can't come in here and play consistently. 
Louis, it's January, man. There's, the the time for ifs is over. It, you got to move off of Koskinen at, at the very least. Well, here's the thing. It, number one, it's not that easy to make moves in this league right now. It's not that easy to make a move with a goaltender that's $4.5 million. So I think when you look at the last two years with Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen sharing that role and Mike Smith being the starter, the designated starter in that equation has gotten them into the postseason two years in a row. And I do believe they felt that coming into this year, they could do it again. They felt that it was enough this year to get them into the postseason again. Now, when you look at it, I mean, they're right there. I mean, they're, 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 they're hovering around. They're in the second wild card spot right now. With the disastrous stretch that they've had, they're still in a playoff position right now. So I don't necessarily look at this and say, wait a second, it's time to blow this up. I don't look at that at all. They're trying to band-aid it right now. They're trying to get healthy, but there's no question. There has to be a lot of discussions going on with Ken Holland and his organization of what they're going to do moving forward here with the trade deadline approaching and how they're going to approach that, considering are they in the playoffs, out of the playoffs? Are they sellers or they're buyers? I personally think they have to be buyers. I think the window is closing every year with McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nurse, and the youth of this team as your core. I do believe they have to go for it and they have to make the changes they need to make necessary for them to give themselves a chance to not only get into the playoffs, but potentially have a run. It's been a bad stretch, guys. There's no way to sugarcoat that. There's no way you can look at this and say, hey, you know what, ah, whatever. I'm trying to put Band-Aids on it here because there's been a lot of things. I wrote down six, seven things after it's on my list here today when I broke down their team. There's a lot of things they need to work on. They're fully aware of it. It's just a matter of going out there and doing it. Yeah, and like the one constant for them, the one thing we know that they have is that McDavid Drysidle duo, and no one's going to score at a comical clip all season long. But last little bit, they've looked a little bit more human. I, I think they you know, mm-hmm. twelve points in twelve games. I think for both of them, or thirteen and twelve for McDavid. Hey, is there any reason for you, or just the lulls of the season, the, the way it goes sometimes? God, I would kill to have thirteen points. In right, just games. a point per game lull. <laughs> But, no, you're right. I mean, they have come down to earth, no question. There's no way they could keep the pace that they had going at the start of the year going. The power play has struggled. Um, the wingers of the top six is the question mark for me. And I look at, you know, the four wingers that have spent the most time with McDavid and Dreisaitl all year long. That's Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto with Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman on the left side, and Paul Yarb in the right side with Connor McDavid. In the last 12 games, now I know they haven't all played all those 12 games, but in the last 12 games respectively, six goals for those four wingers. Okay, so that's six goals from four wingers that are playing with essentially the top two players in the league the last few years that have been pacing the NHL in points. That's not enough. I'm sorry, that's not enough production. You have to have more production, especially five-on-five from those wingers. The power plays come back down to earth. Now, I don't think they're getting all the calls again. There's a little stretch here where they've only had, before the Ranger game, they only had four power plays in the previous four games. Now, I look at that again and say, I'm sorry, when you've got McDavid on your team driving around with that puck the way he handles it in the offensive zone, the ticky-tack calls that you're seeing called nowadays, they should probably draw more penalties. But that also goes into the identity of the team. And I think early on, Zach Hyman, the way he played the game, I think he drew a lot of guys into that fight and showed them like the Zach Cassian, who is healthy again, is going to play tonight, back in the lineup, another guy you don't talk about very often, but he's an identity player. He's one of those guys that injects a certain thing into the game physicality you know you look across there you know when Zach Cassian's on the ice they've been missing that greatly they have not been physical enough to play against and they have not been hard enough to play against they just need to get back to it is what I'm essentially saying here 
They've gotten away from it. And because of that, that production from the top players has dropped off because they're a little bit too perimeter. And I don't mean Dreisel and McDavid. I mean the guys playing with them. They need to get nasty. They need to go to the dirty areas. They need to open up space and be a little harder to play against than the offense will come. We believe that Ken Holland is in uh, from Edmonton to take in uh, the game live tonight. I, I don't know if that uh, leads us to believe that there is a sense of urgency. Uh, with no McDavid, uh, Louis, we don't think that uh, this feels like a, a must win for maybe uh, Dave Tippett. Yet I, I watch, you know, uh, I don't think, let me put it this way, I don't think Vancouver is doing the Edmonton Oilers any favors by making the <laughs> coaching change. And then turning um, a dismal season into one that gives Vancouver Canucks hopes with Boudreaux. But, you know, you're out West. Everybody talks about Vancouver and the fans and the pressure, uh, to social media, all of that. Is there a comparable between Edmonton and Vancouver oh, with yeah. that type of pressure? Oh, yeah. I think it's no different. I think it's exactly the same. And listen, there's a buzz here. I know there's been lots of chatter here and, People are calling for heads when you see a team that, you know, has lost 10 of the last 12 games. That, that You know what? That, that resonates. I'm sorry. That's, you know, especially at this time of the season. Now, again, I'm going to go back to all those things I talked about before that are uncontrollable, a lot of them, but there's also some, that, some things that are very controllable that just haven't come to fruition for this team. They just haven't been able to get on the same page in that regard. But I don't think they're as far away as people think they are. I think that, you know, you look at some of the games and you watch them play and you're like, man, they just need that 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 one bounce to go their way. They just need that big save at the opportune time. You know, they need that great defensive play at that key moment of a game. They, they're just, they've been missing those key plays inside of games. And other teams have come in here and capitalized on those situations. And that can switch really fast. And what happens is it, it, you start to grow. You grow as a team. You start to stand taller. You have that swagger and confidence that this team actually had at the start of the year. Now, don't get me wrong. They knew they shouldn't have won all the games they won at the start of the year. They were very realistic in that, in that mindset. And I think they're realistic through this to a point. They know this is a hole they're digging here, and they want to grind out of it. It's going to be more difficult with the likes of McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Barry, Ryan, people out of the lineup. Once again, it's going to be... You know, put the hard hats on, the work boots, the gloves, get the shovel out because you're digging, and they're going up against a very tough opponent that has absolutely dominated them the last little while. Um, but this might be the game. This might be one of those ones where because the mentality, like you said, Kipper, the mentality is they go into this game, they just need to save face and play a real solid, sound defensive game, look for their opportunities the right way. You never know. They might get great goaltending from Mike Smith tonight, and they might pull this one out. That's the way you have to approach it, the way you have to think as a player. You have no choice. You go into the game, it's like you're not going in there to lose. They fully understand what's up against them tonight, but just go do what you can do and see what happens. And by chance, if you're completely wrong and they're down six after 20, <laughs> continue to eat your popcorn and thank your lucky stars you're not calling the game tonight. Yeah, you know, and that could very well happen too because we've seen this Leafs team – Put a lot of pucks in the net over the last few years. They're a high octane team, but hey, you know what? It's nothing they can do about it. This is where they are in the season. This is where they are in the schedule. This is what they're dealing with. Every team's going to have to deal with this. And unfortunately, guys, like we talked about at the start of the show with saying with me, it's not going anywhere for a while. So we're going to have to deal with it for a bit. Louis DeBrusque, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet. Always great having you on the show, Louis. Take care, guys. Good to catch up with you. Be well, all right?
Yeah, awesome stuff. Thanks, Louie. What's uh, give me a first period score, boys? I, I... You know what? I'm having I'm having one of those moments, Kipper, where it's like, you know, Mike Smith can just black out. He can just black out and have one of those games where he does. He has nights where he's just like superhuman. Um, won't be tonight. I, <laughs> no, I bet the Leafs to win in regulation. So I'll I'll give me a a nice conservative one nothing after one Kipper. I'm not gonna blow it up too much. Louie made a good think, point, though, uh, and, and that is, uh, Sammy, that, you know, Mike Smith could buy Kenny Holland some time, but he's, I, I think he's got to do something. For sure, and I think you were talking about Tippett there with, with Louie, and I think there's a world in which McDavid being out tonight is a good thing for Dave Tippett because they're playing badly. And if they come into Toronto, and I know it's not the same fanfare with no fans or whatever, and it feels different, but they come in here and the Leafs run all over them, extends this stretch a little longer under the microscope of Toronto with McDavid in the lineup, you know, that, but now that he's out, they're supposed to lose. They're supposed to get totally whatever. And if they happen to win, it's like, oh, wow, what a galvanizing victory for the Edmonton Oilers. Maybe this is the one that turns them around. So I think it's a bit of a blessing in disguise for him. Obviously, he wants David to play in the hockey game. Don't get me wrong here. I'm just saying that there's a, definitely a world in which it's not the worst thing for Tippett. But his collar's got to be getting hot here, boys. It's, it's, it's getting to the point. There's no doubt. And the Babcock stuff, which I'm sure you've been talking about, it's, it's getting pretty hot in Edmonton. And it's not a hot time of year there. Well, it's... No, I- for for Tippett, he's going to have to go in the room tonight and 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 build. Uh, there's been some stripping, you know, in the last 24, 48 hours. And the one trick, Sammy, I, I will say this with a guy like Connor McDavid out of the lineup, is there might be one or two guys saying, uh, "You didn't like me before, but now that '97's out of the lineup, now you need me." Yeah. And I, I'm just going to be real interested to see in the first five minutes for the Oilers how much they really look like a team. And you don't need any individual particular player, even as good as Connor McDavid is, to, to, to look like a team. That's what I'm looking for in the first few minutes. Mm-hmm. So I agree. And I know you guys probably watch the Oilers a lot. I like to watch the Oilers a lot because it's just watching McDavid. And the games that they've lost with, with Koskin and Annette, I can't help but think them getting even a above average goalie to pair with Mike Smith would be a big, big difference. Don't you think? Because it's not that Koskinen is just, you know, not great. He costs them games all the time. Like, he is just really not an NHL goalie. His, his goals against, he's up above three. His C percentage is 900. I do think that it as is not as easy but it's close to as easy as putting somebody capable in there to pair with Mike Smith. And I know Koskinen said they're not scoring, but I really do think that that would help immensely. I don't know where they find him, but I think it's a huge thing for Kenny Holland, and the pressure's on. I'm looking forward to talking to Mike McKenna after the break here and get his sense on how he feels for a coach calling out a goaltender so directly. You know, i got to be honest, I don't appreciate, if I'm Tippett, I don't appreciate Koskinen firing back in the media about our offense like you don't worry about the goals for. You do the no. goals against, Correct. and you ain't done good in the goals against department. Don't even look at yeah. the other end of the rink. Because, frankly, if you give up one goal a game and we lose every game, we still love you. So, now, I, I don't know. D- d- uh, Kos- 
Koskinen also made a reference to fee, uh, he actually said it that uh, being thrown under the bus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and they... and that's the that's the one I think he should have avoided. Even if you want to say, you know, I I wish the boys would score for me. Yeah. It isn't as bad as just having the words come out of your mouth that you're you feel like your coach threw you under the bus. And that is it one, even? Kipper, is it even throwing you under the bus when the guy just says what you did that you know was did was bad was bad? Like, you you made a brutal play. Your coach called the play brutal. Do you need him to go out and pat you on the back, or can you just well, accept correct. you? It's not throwing you under the it's bus. It's the big leagues. Yes. And that's where I think Dave Tippett has a, a case for uh, having this thing blown out of context that the goalie is contributing to blowing it out of context, no? Yes, 100%. And, and, I mean, I watched that whole presser with Dave Tippett and saw the context he said it in. He said it's a brutal play at a time we're playing well. It was a brutal play at a time they were playing well. I don't think any of us is saying he said anything else than that, unless Koskinen has twisted it up in his head. All right, J, uh, JB, you mentioned Mike McKenna after the break. So we're going to get into all of that, the mental, the physical, uh, what's going on with a guy like Costin and, and maybe just league-wide here, guys. I mean, I'm taking a look. A lot of struggling goalies out there. How, how many great goalies do we have in this league, guys? That's a question I want to ask, Mike. We're also going to get into a, a bigger list for Team Canada. We got into it the other day, JB about Owen Power being uh, available and wanting to play and having the green light from Michigan. So no question, he'll be there. And I'm going to also throw after the break, guys, uh, a goalie that I think that the uh, that, that could be in the Oiler lineup by the weekend. Mm. Mm. All right, let's talk. And it's one I don't think... Uh, I don't think it's getting mentioned at all, but I'll tell you who they might have some interest in. So uh, plenty more on Real Kipper and Bourne. Show number 62.